Hey friend, welcome back to the second part of Stop Going to Church. This is episode number eight, so if you haven't listened to episode number seven, we highly recommend you start there. And to be honest, we really recommend you go all the way back to episode number six, where we talked about craving community. So Nathan, I was wondering, based on this conversation we've been having in these last few episodes, are you saying that we should stop going to church That's kind of a loaded question because we want to make sure people understand we need to stop just going to church. If just going to church is our primary objective, if just going to a location is all that we're doing, if we're only trying to check off our boxes so that we look better to the eyes of other people so we can earn God's favor, then yes, we are saying stop doing that. But scripture says we assemble together, we gather together, we be the body together. I think the best way to to start today's um, episode is to read Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Would you do that for us? Sure thing. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hey, Nina, for me, it's very clear that we cannot neglect the meeting together. We have to do body life with other believers. And as we read through those verses, I'm just seeing the we's and the us's and the ours and the each other aspect of body life. And and so it's very clear we don't neglect that. But I think it's also clear that what Hebrews is calling us is to something more than just going to a place. And it's calling us something more to just being at a location. This is deep, meaningful body life. And, uh, I really believe we have a greater calling in that. Well, it even says to stir up. That is much more than just being in a location silently, not doing anything. Yeah, and that stirring up has a really interesting visual uh, picture in my mind. Kind of gets a little messy and you kind (laughs) of can't can't just be passive and just sit there. Like there's this action of of being together and, and mixing our lives with other people. Definitely. Hey friends, welcome to the Encourage Inspire podcast. My name is Nina. And I am Nathan. In this episode, episode number eight, we're going to continue to talk about what it means to be the church together, how we need to stop just going to church, how we need to be the church, and do what God has commanded the church to do. We're just going to continue the conversation from episode seven. Our passion is building faithful families. Thank you for walking alongside us as we share stories and talk about the lessons we are learning. It's exciting to share what God has done and is doing. Hey, Nina, in the last episode, we talked a lot about Acts 2. We looked at the early church and we saw what they were doing and how they live life together. So I want us to play a game called Church Amnesia. And that sounds kind of funny. I I realize that. But imagine if we lost all of our memory about everything related to our current church experience. And that can be the good church experience and the bad church experience. If we just read Acts 2 and we use that as our starting point, 
Let's talk about how church might look different for us compared to what we are used to today. So let's think about location first. Any thoughts, ideas about how location might change? I definitely think in Acts chapter 2, we are seeing the church meet from in homes. I don't know if they are going from home to home and meeting in different homes. It seems that way to me from what, what we pick up and read. And, and I, I feel the same way. It said they went from house to house, so it does seem like there's this movement of the body of Christ moving from home to home. Yeah. I was I was trying to figure out if there was any information about when large church buildings became the norm. And I, I did find some interesting things about that. It, it seems like the early church experience where people would gather in larger buildings is basically there were buildings in cities and in communities that were available just for larger gatherings, not specifically for church. So what people would do is they started growing outside the bounds of their homes. They Their size grew larger than what would be accommodated in a home. And then they started meeting in these shared community buildings. And I guess what happened eventually at some point in time, we moved from that type of location to dedicated church buildings. But also in Acts 2, they were still visiting the temple. So as we mentioned yes. prior, there is this idea and um, we see that they both gathered in small groups, but there was these larger corporate events or corporate celebrations taking place as well. But the temple hadn't been destroyed yet either at this point in time. Okay. So So there would be a point coming up in the next couple of decades, right, where they would not be able to gather in the temple as they had prior. Now, I'm guessing there were other smaller places of worship though, right? I would think so, Yes. If we look at Acts 2, we're not saying you can't go to a big church building. What we're trying to emphasize is not as much the location, but what we do in those buildings and who we are as the body of Christ. So uh, location, we kind of talked about that a little bit. What about the amount of time we would spend together? If we completely erased everything we know about church, how do you think we might do things differently if we just looked at Acts 2 as an example? I think you have a cultural thing happening here, too, in Acts 2, that the Western world doesn't see. And our time spent overseas, we we understand that cultural aspect of meeting together without necessarily a time restraint involved with meeting. And so I think we're very bound up in time, an hour maybe, right, of church time in the building where— Maybe two. Maybe you, two, I guess. Right, Yeah. There's not this time constraint. At least it doesn't seem that way. It seems like they were doing several things, and that would have taken a lot of time, like eating together, getting into God's Word, discussing that, praying together. There's a there's a lot going on. 100%. You mentioned our, our time overseas, and something people said is, in the East, if you value somebody as a person, you give them more time time to be late. But in the West, if you value somebody as a person, you will always show up at the right time. So culturally, there are these differences in how we how we view time and what that means in our relationship with somebody else. You know, they're meeting daily. And, and I look at our church experience, and even though there's people in our life that we gather with, people in our, our core group and our, you know, our body life that we gather with often, we aren't meeting daily. And so I think I agree with you. If we just 
took away all that experience and said, well, do we spend more time with people or less time with people? I definitely believe we would spend more time with people. There's also this aspect of needing da- needing daily things. Like you need to eat and you'd need to get that on a daily basis. Like we even saw that in Indonesia where you are meeting up with people probably at the market or your your community group of even your family life, extended family. They're, you're in close location with them possibly. And we're in our current modern world, we're very convenient oriented. So that means we can stock up in the U.S. for like a week's worth of groceries. We're not go. We don't necessarily have to go out daily to get the things we need to eat, and and we're not sharing our life, even culturally, with others around us. Mm. It appears, and, and kind of like what you're saying, and what I remember from life overseas, that our church life extended outside. Their church life would have extended outside of their church service. And so being the church together is not restricted to a service time. Right. It's who we are all the time with the people who are part of our body life. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of brings up the third topic. What would we do together? How would that look differently if we removed everything that we've ever learned about ch- our church experience and then just went back to the the scripture and then started defining that? I, something something you talked about is this daily aspect. You know, in Acts 2, it talked about gathering together daily, eating in each other's house. And I'm pretty sure that if I looked at Scripture and removed all my prior experience, church wouldn't be something that was relegated to a couple of days a week. And I think a lot of the things that we can do that God even commands that the church do together as the body of Christ— has to be outside of those times if we're going to get the gospel to our neighbors and to the world. How do we do that outside of a possibly Sunday morning, Wednesday night activity? Um, We have to meet together more often and be in prayer together about those things, be meeting people in our community. And not just outside of those times, but outside of those places that we tend to think about as, as church. Um, but what what I love is they're they're devoting themselves to God's word. They're ministering to each other's needs. They are living life in such a way where the outside world is looking at them and amazed. There's miracles taking place. Like the power of God is is evident in their lives. They're they're praising. They're praying. And so many of the things that we we tend to think about as body life and and present day, they were doing those things. But it wasn't restrained or constrained by a location or a specific time. Yeah, I think it would look a little different, don't you? I definitely think so. Nathan, we've talked about one another verses. And the phrase one another appears in the New Testament over 50 times. When I think about one another, it's about doing things together with with other believers And we see that happening outside of even Acts 2. We can find it in several other places. How and why are we doing the one another verses? Well, I think we can't do the one another verses unless we do life together. So if, if again, if the church experience that we have is a designated time and a designated location, and it's a limited time and a limited location, there's no way we can do all these one another verses together. Our passion and 
And what we feel has happened is, is we can only do the one another verses well with a smaller body of people. I can't do all of the one another verses with all the people that I show up and, and meet on a given Sunday morning. We do these though because we are, are commanded to do them. And so I, I'm just going to pull out a couple of these one another verses that, that come to mind. In Mark 9:50, it says, be at peace with each other. Over and over and over in Scripture, it says, love one another, especially in John 13. In Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans also says, honor one another above yourselves. In Romans 12, it says, live in harmony with one another. It says, instruct one another in Romans 15. And we just could keep going on and on. Be compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Don't lie to one another. Bear with each other. Just over and over, we have all these instructions of what it means to do body life together. And again, like I said just a a couple of moments ago, if I'm gathering with 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, I can't do every one of these one another verses with those people. But in a smaller group, in a smaller setting, I have a better chance of being able to live out life, the one another verses, in the way I should. So it kind of brings up an important question. How does where we do church impact how we do the one another verses? If if I can't do that with 100, 200 people in a traditional building, how should I do it? Where should I do it? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's where possibly the like your smaller groups, which are traditionally called Sunday school, maybe starts with those, but even in those settings, you don't, you're not always doing the one another verses as they could be or in depth, like living life with one another, stirring each other up, going out and ministering, minist- to yeah, ministering together. That it, it, you can't do that. Like we said, in the location of the, of the church building, always, it has to even be outside of that that time frame, but developing a relationship with a smaller core group of people where you can do those things with. You're pouring into them and they're pouring into you so that you can spill out into other people where other people are seeing this and are impacted. Yeah. So if we think of the traditional um, church service, we're sitting in pews, there's rows of chairs or however the, the environment's set up. I do think there's several of the one another's that work really well in that environment. When I think about um, learning the word together with each other, it's it in a traditional environment where there's a, a lead pastor speaking to a congregation, the transferring of information about scripture can happen in that environment very well. If we want to do large corporate worship where we sing together, that's another situation where that traditional environment works well. But then when you think about the pews and the rows of chairs. How do you uh, how do you get to know the people behind you <laughs> if you're supposed to be facing forward? If you're sitting in your chair the right way, sitting in the pew the right way, I, I do think where we do body life it does impact how we do body life. Mm. So that that brings up another question, and and I think you and I have our answer already. Are we only church when we're in the buildings? And the answer would be no, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. And again, it's it's not location centric it's not building centric we being the body of christ is um, christ centric and and as redeemed people it's it's who we are 
and following his commands to be the church together. I want to clarify some things. Am, am I the church? Well, let me back up. I am the church when I'm with other believers, but am I really doing covenantal body life when I'm with all believers? I think that's a little stickier. There's a lot of great people I know who are committed followers of Jesus Christ, but I have not joined in covenantal body life with every believer I'm a part of. So I believe I'm the universal church, the the big C church with all believers, no matter where you're from, what language you speak, your gender, your age. But I have a very small group of people that I am the local church with. I cannot be the local church with every believer. I think there's another important question we need to ask to make sure we understand our identity as the body of Christ. Do we consider a core group class church? Do we consider a Sunday school class church or a life group church? Are those something different? And for me personally, I think we need to make sure that we understand that those groupings of people and the people that we do life with in those smaller groups, that we understand that that is church life. Going to church to the Sunday morning service, that doesn't include all of church, but being the body and doing these one another verses with other people is. Nina, even though that Sunday school core groups and life groups can be a part of church, we need to acknowledge that those groups might not be doing all the commands of church. What are some of the things that you think are important to be done by the church that a core group may or may not do together? I think of two things that is part of the the, the commandments that we're supposed to do. And one of that is breaking bread or the Lord's Supper. So we need to be taking the Lord's Supper together. The second thing is giving in some sort of way, like whether that be through a tithe or an offering, but seeing the needs of other people in meeting those needs. So it's important as, as we're talking through what church is, is that when we see the commands of church, we need to be figuring out in whatever way we're going to do it, in whatever place we're going to do it, that we start doing all of the commands. And yeah, it's it's, it's complex. It's not as easy as as just showing up. There's there's a lot of body life that we have to wrestle through as followers of Jesus, and we have to wrestle through that with other people. And, and that's a beautiful thing, but at times that's a very complicated thing as well. Nina, I still remember a very um, distinct conversation we had, and you said something similar to this, and please correct me if I, I don't get it 100% right, but you said, the church is not for the unbelievers. And I was taken back. I was like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're off, you're wrong. And then we started talking and I had to start contemplating the church is not for unbelievers because the church is the body of believers that have committed their life to Christ. Do you remember that conversation and my response to you that day? Yes, I, I remember you thought that I was kind of crazy with saying that that's what the church was. But, but the church is the body. It's the believers. It's those who have committed their life to Christ. Again, like we've been saying, not the location, not a service. So if the church is the believers, what's the purpose of the church? Like, what's the purpose of us gathering together? The purpose of us gathering is to equip one another, instruct each other with God's word, encourage each other to live out this life that Christ has called us to. Wait, so there's more one another verses we need to be learning? I mean, <laughs> definitely. It's a very one another centric lifestyle. 
it's not a Nathan by himself, Nina by yourself. It's we with other people together. When God says, take up your cross and follow me, that's hard. And we need one another to help us on this journey to be less selfish, to be more like Christ. And I think that's why we are called to not forsake the gathering of each other, because this world is is hard, but Christ overcame and he's living in us. And we are called to do these things together to show the world who Jesus is. I want to make it clear that a church building, a church service shouldn't necessarily be unwelcoming and unloving if an unbeliever shows up. Right. But we have to acknowledge that that's the church building. We need to have environments where people feel welcome. But we also need to make sure that the environment that we're gathering in, first and foremost, is for instruction and for equipping. If I tone down a message that's from scripture because I'm afraid a lost person is not ready to receive it, but it needs to be delivered to a brother or sister in Christ because it's the commands of Jesus. I can't tone it down for the lost because the church is for the believers. The church is made up of believers. But in the same way that a brother or sister in Christ comes, like it's not that we make it unwelcoming for them either, that we want them to, them to feel unloved. But there's, there's hard truths in scripture that we have to hold each other accountable to. And when we gather together, I just want us to be reminded that we're holding each other as believers accountable. Mm. And a lost person, if they hear it and are compelled to, to give their life over to Christ, we praise God for that. But it is a, a, a message for believers. You mentioned something earlier. As believers, we take that outside of the building. If we meet in a building, we take it outside of a Sunday morning experience. If that's when we gather and we take it to the world and we are equipped and instructed and encouraged to live out our God life, our our Christ-centric life in the world around us. Everywhere we go, anytime, anywhere, any place, you know, we need to be ready. Even with believers, you know, the gospel's for us as well. So we need to be hearing that gospel message so that we're ready to also give the gospel message to others. I remember as as a child, there were several services where we had to invite a friend to church service. And thinking back about that in my heart, I ache a little bit because I was thinking that the right way to have a friend know Jesus is to take them to a location. And what I failed to do in the situation is take Jesus to the person where they were at. And so again, as we're talking about church, we're trying to make sure that we understand that it's not location centric. Inviting somebody to a building doesn't make them right with God. It's their encounter with Jesus and their their need for him and their their surrender to him. That's what makes them right with Jesus. And we can we can be that light and that salt anywhere we're at and it doesn't have to be in in a specific place at a specific time. But that's also interesting. As a believer, going to a church building also doesn't make you right with God. 100%. I mean, it's all about our heart. God says, don't forsake the assembling of one another. We're supposed to be meeting together, doing all the things we've already spoke about. But actually, if we're just going to say, I'm going to check this off my box this week, then that's the wrong attitude to have about gathering mm-hmm. with with the believers. Nina, if we went back to that church amnesia game, and just forgot everything we knew about church, do you think we would have a, a more simple church experience or a more simple church ideology versus what we have right now? I think we would, but then it would also be a lot more messy. 
if you know what I mean. It, it wouldn't be so planned out necessarily as event-driven. If we had the amnesia and we started doing exactly what scripture says to do, we could just be in each other's lives a lot more and we would see see things differently, I think, and would be able to respond to things differently as well. I do think that sometimes we overcomplicate what church is supposed to be. Um, you mentioned events. I think, you know, we have an issue of of shiny object syndrome sometimes. We see a great event, a great program, a great project. Does that take us away from seeing the body of Christ and seeing the needs of the believers and seeing the need to be instructed and encouraged? And, you know, if if we keep church simple, if we keep what we do and who we are based on what scripture defines, then then it's easier for somebody to grab a hold of and and move to the next step of reproducing the same thing. I, I celebrate what God has done in the lives of many churches that have been around for 100 years, 120 years, 150 years. But a part of me goes, will it take 120 years, 150 years to get a new church to that same point? Mm. Do we have to wait that long? Is the process so complex that it requires that much time and energy and effort? And then like, I just kind of get sad and depressed about that. I'm going, but church life needs to reproduce so other people can know Christ and know his grace and his mercy and his salvation. And if it's too complicated, does that kind of put us in a a state of of, um, paralysis where we're just afraid to move forward? Hmm. But I guess we need to ask the question, should church be reproducible? I think it should. I think scripture shows that it is. They went out to places that had not heard the gospel yet, and we see churches forming in those areas. So I appreciate that call out. I think it's easy to see that evangelism should be reproducible, and maybe that's something that, as the body of Christ, we need to be evaluating for ourselves. Are we speaking the good news of Jesus? But what you said was super important. They spoke the good news of Jesus Christ— People responded to that good news, and then they started grouping themselves together. Mm. And those groups weren't just small groups. Those groups became church. Mm -hmm. They became local bodies of Christ. So we know in Acts 2 that preaching and worship through song are both included. But let's think about it. Let's step back a little bit. If we were to evaluate and, again, play the amnesia game, what parts of church are actually the most required to have healthy body life? Now, I think most people would argue preaching, like there has to be the word. And I agree, but I think there's a nuance behind preaching that is super important that maybe we don't see applied out in our daily lives. And although I love to worship and I love to praise God through song, if we're actually trying to reproduce church life among the lost, is that one of the most essential aspects? I want us to kind of talk about a book called T for T, Training for Trainers, and it's written by Steve Smith and Ying Kai. I hope I said Ying's name right. And we'll put a link if anybody's interested in in looking at the book. Uh, It'll probably be an affiliate link just as an FYI. These two church trainers were working with church leaders and and people who were sharing their faith and and the good news of Jesus Christ. They just finished a, a training session And somebody came up and said, well, what parts of what we've been talking about are most important for reproducing church? And 
everybody's initial response was, well, everything's important. And I agree 100%. Everything that God has commanded us to do, commanded the church to do, is incredibly important. But the question wasn't, what's most important? The question is, what is most important for reproducing church? So let's look at, there's these three categories. They have the look back. So in the look back category, there's member care. Like, how do we love each other? How do we care for each other and and where we're at in life? Part number two is worship. And again, we've just talked about worshiping God through song on a regular Sunday morning service. Number three is accountability. And number four is vision casting. So looking back, we have member care, worship, accountability, and vision casting. Then the second part is looking up. And that's a new lesson. Interactive Bible study, typically talking about a new topic. And that's all of the second section. The final section is looking ahead. And there's two parts for looking ahead. Practice the lesson, goal setting, and prayer. Steve Smith and uh, Ying Kai, they make the statement that there's only four parts of those seven parts that are, are most important for reproducing body life. And I want to read those real quick. The first is accountability. And so this is really important to me. In my traditional church experience that I've had for most of my life, does anybody ever hold me accountable throughout the week to obey what I learned the prior week? So does anybody ever ask me, okay, are you living out the word that you heard last Sunday? Are you living out the message that you heard last Sunday? Nina, have you ever had anybody or or many people in your life asking you, are you obeying what God's asking of you? Not really. I don't, I, I can't look back and in my traditional experience and say, people were asking me, am I following what God's asking of me this week? So another thing they said is you need accountability, you need vision casting. So do you understand where we're going with body life? Do you understand where we're going with engaging people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, gathering people together in groups that are new believers? Practice is required for reproducing church life. I do better at living things out when I've had a chance to hear it and see it and then do it. And so practice for me, and I'm thinking about this in the context of a new lesson, would be maybe memorizing a, a Bible verse or maybe having a some actions that I can work through to remember that throughout the week. But typically on a Sunday morning, the, the pastor never stands up and says, okay, Nathan, now it's your time. Like summarize this um, on how, or even practice how you're going to share this message with, with other people this week. And we did that overseas and we do that with our core group by retelling the story or the verses that we're, we're listening to. But again, practice is something that that's not as common. And finally, to, to reproduce church, they recommend that you set goals and you pray about those goals. And um, for me, that would mean who in my life do I need to continue to disciple? Who in my life is God placing on my heart that doesn't know him and and um, I can maybe share my faith with that person. Now, of those four things, notice that the new lesson, the new sermon, the new message was not on the list of things required for reproduction of church. The emphasis is on what you've already learned, that you're held accountable for it, you understand how it matches with the vision, that you practice it and live it out, and then you pray about how God wants you to obey that. 
so I wonder at times if we should, uh, instead of just moving on to the next topic, next topic, next topic, if we should ever pause and look around and an honest assessment, have we really obeyed this? Because if we haven't really obeyed what God's teaching us, then we probably really haven't learned it appropriately. And I do think that in our culture where we're at, people do want knowledge. They're wanting to gain this knowledge, but we're often not challenged to live out that knowledge. And so we need to have more than just knowledge. It needs to impact our heart and change our heart. And let we need to let scripture show us who we really are mm. and what we really need to do and how what God's asking of us rather than just gaining this knowledge for our mind. It's for our heart. We're not obeying his commands to check a box. We're doing it because he's really changed us and because he's really changed us. We act differently, we speak differently, we think differently, and we want the rest of the world to to understand our change so that they can be changed as well. Nina, we've been talking about is what we do as the church, is that reproducible? And I think that leads to another interesting idea. What does multiplying church mean? For me, I, I, I think of three key areas. Uh, one is maturity. As we do body life together as the church, as we follow the commands given to the church, we should see growth and and maturity in ourselves and in the lives of other people around us. I think about our kids as well. We want to see them grow in faith and grow in obedience to Jesus Christ. Where it's their own. Their own faith and their own belief and not because they follow what we do. Anything else, any other ideas about maturity that come to mind for you? I think it's just learning more about who God is and how he wants our lives to look like for for his purposes and for his kingdom. 100%. So multiplying church could mean growth and maturity for individuals in the body collectively. I think another thing that is important to think about when multiplying church is perhaps the size of the group that you do body life with, uh, the church that you're a part of. You might see physical growth, more numbers added. And we look in Acts and the numbers are being added to and added to and added to. So we understand there's this idea of church growth, more people. But I also see in scripture, not just the size of a group, but the number of groups and the number of churches. And so, you know, when 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people came to know Jesus in Acts, right? Did they all go to the same building? Most likely not, based on what we're seeing from the other scriptures. They were in homes, meeting in homes. So there was a multiplication of of groups, the number of groups in, in the churches. I've kind of joked in the past that um, there's three types of church growth. There's the obesity model. Just one place, one, one building gets fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. Um, but what I notice sometimes is if we're unhealthy in our, our size— um, if we're not mobile and, and moving, then that's that's not a great way to grow. You also have the divorce model where a group cannot be at peace with other people in the same group. And so they divide because they can't stand each other anymore. But then the last model is healthy DNA is passed on to others and there's healthy DNA. And I kind of think of that as a, a birthing model where a content and happy mom and dad pass on the right DNA to their children who pass on the right DNA to their children. That makes me think of 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, 
what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And trust a faithful men who will teach others also. Yeah. And so we see four or five generations of passing along of the good stuff that Jesus gives us and, and uh, the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the last two podcast episodes, we've, we've titled these last two episodes, Stop Going to Church. And I hope you understand what we mean by that. Mm-hmm. Really what we're saying is stop just going to church. If the only verb that you associate with the noun church is go, it means that you probably have a, a checkbox mentality that you think if you just go and you can check your box that God's going to be more happy with you, more satisfied with you, more accepting of you. If going to church is just a works-based mentality, then it's wrong. It doesn't let you know the real Jesus Christ, and it means that you're not being a part of his body of believers. And so I hope what you have heard from us is that we're talking about who we are as the church and what we do as local churches together. So yes, it's okay to go to a traditional building. It's okay to go to a traditional service, but make sure that the body that you're gathering with, they're doing the things that Christ has commanded them to do and that you're doing the things that Christ has commanded you to do. Yeah, we we want you to be encouraged by being around other believers who have the same vision of what Christ gave to us. When we're walking alongside of each other, equipping, encouraging, instructing each other, we grow in that and we are able to help one another in our walks. And I think that's what's important. God didn't put us here and call us to do this walk alone. We have him, number one, but then we have each other. And when I think about his kingdom, his kingdom is coming, but we are a part of the kingdom as the body of Christ, as the church, capital C church. But part of that is that we invite other people in. So as you're growing in your maturity, as people are seeing something different in you, that is incredible. So I hope they see that as us, as believers, as individuals, but they see that in believers collectively as we gather together. I do pray that that if you're gathering with a small group of people, that you're having an impact on the people around you. And, and perhaps there's more people being added to your group. But wouldn't it be amazing if if because of what we're doing as a part of body life, that we see new groups started. We see new groups started, people gathering together, and then they start looking at scripture and going, we want to be a local church together. That That's something that excites me and, and brings um, just joy to my heart, thinking about how more people can know who Jesus is and, and be a part of his church and be a part of the local church. I'm excited about that too. That's what that's what God wants is a lot more people in his kingdom. How are you living your life with your family and being the church together? Because this podcast is about encouraging faithful families, building faithful families. Do you do body life with your kids? Do you really do body life with your spouse? Are you really doing body life with other believers? So we pray more than anything, this is a chance just to evaluate where you're at with the local body, and we encourage you to dive deep. For us personally, when we do core groups on Sunday evenings, that's our time to do body life with our family, with our kids, and with other believers that we do life with on a regular basis. So we all show up 
We're all in the word together. We sing God's praises. We're, we're ministering with one another. We're giving for the needs of others and trying to follow out those one another verses and the example we see in Acts 2. Thank you for listening today as we talked more about being the church together. If you know anyone who would benefit from our conversations, please send them to the Encourage Inspire podcast. We look forward to building faithful families together, yours and ours.